Welcome to the Rock Church Podcast. This is Amanda. We're so glad you're joining us today. We are a church family that exists to love God, love people, and do something about it. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit us at rockc3.com or head over to your app store and search Rock C3 for our app. This week, pastors Josh Finkley, Clay Finkley, and Scott Johnson bring us the last week of our series called The Bigger Picture. Enjoy the message. Well, Rock Church, you guys doing good today? Everybody good? You there? So... Good to see everybody. If you happen to be new with us, uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, really excited that you've chosen to be with us today. Uh, I know there's a lot of things you can do at 1130 on a Sunday morning, and uh, but the fact that you are here, uh, that you've come to church, that, that you've jumped in, man, I'm just thankful for that. And if you are new here, I definitely encourage you, stop by the New Here tent um, on your way out if you haven't already. Uh, We've just got a little gift there for you that we'd love to give you. Um, And then I always want to encourage you, if you are ready to get connected, whether you're new or been coming for a long time, if you're ready to get connected, either use that QR code code on the front of the chairs or just stop by the Connect Corner because we would love to get you teamed up, uh, love to get you connected with Christ or maybe connected with somebody here at church, all right? Now, I need to break something to you in case you didn't know this, but summer is ending and fall is coming, all right? And for some of y'all, you are really excited about that. Some of you are like, get the kids back to school, right? Like some of you are there, you're like, I ain't going to admit that right now. Some of you are sad because the child is going to school, right? Like some of you are there. Some, some of you are, are teachers or educators, and you're like, I need one more week, please, okay? Like, like I know there's a lot of differences in the thought process when it comes to summer ending and school starting, um, but, but let me just celebrate a couple things uh, that have happened around here. Last night, uh, we wrapped up our last Kids Rock Camp, and uh, it was phenomenal. And throughout the summer, we saw over 500 kids either go to Kids Rock Camp, middle school camp, or high school camp, all right? That's incredible. Incredible summer for our This Gen team and our This Gen ministry. And I'm so thankful for those who uh, are either on staff with our This Gen team or those who volunteer with our This Gen team. Uh, Just great job making the summer what it was uh, for our kids and students. And with that, now we've got kickoffs happening. So if you are a high school student, gonna be in ninth grade, this week, ninth grade or above, this week on Wednesday night here on our Conway campus, uh, we are doing a high school rally, kind of kicking off the beginning of school. So I definitely want to encourage you to think about coming to that. On Thursday night, our middle schoolers are meeting on this campus and in Aner to kind of kick off uh, the school year for middle school. And then over the weekend, we've got a brand new series coming uh, that I'm fired up about called Open All Doors. And definitely want to encourage everybody to be back and to be a part of that um, because it's going to really launch us not just for four weeks, but into the whole school year. Uh, So definitely want to encourage you to do that. But before we get there, I want to wrap up today. 
I want to wrap up this series that we've been in uh, for the last five weeks. And over the last five weeks, we've had a series that we've been doing called The Bigger Picture. And what we've tried to do for five weeks is look at the lineage, or maybe I could say it this way, the family tree of Jesus. That we've tried to look at the people along the family tree, uh, people like Judah and, and people like Jacob, and people like Rahab and David. We've been looking and seeing how they fit into the bitter, bigger picture, about how they helped bring Jesus onto the scene about 2,000 years ago. But, but their story didn't end there. Jesus' story definitely didn't end there. We now see ourselves inside of the story because just as the people in the family tree of Jesus helped bring Jesus to the earth in the way of being born. Now it is our job to continue on his story to those that we come in contact with. Uh, so we've been looking backwards to kind of see how their story fits into our story as we carry the name of Jesus forward. And today I want us to look at one more person. One more person inside the family tree of Jesus. And as we look at his story, we're going to see, um, well, we're going to see a young man. Uh, probably a better way for me to see it is we're going to see a young boy. We're going to see uh, a kid who became king at the age of eight. And inside of his uh, kingship, he recognized his position of influence. He was a leader, but, but I really want you to see it as he was a person of influence. And he had a decision, am I going to make uh, use my influence for the greater good of others or for the greater bad of others? And reality is all of us are in positions of influence as well. Uh, that could be as a, as a child, it could be as a classmate, it could be as a parent, it could be as a, an employee or an employer, um, it, it, whatever area, you can look at your own personal life. Every one of us has opportunities to influence others. The question is, are we influencing people for the greater good and towards God, or are we influencing people towards a negative uh, towards something that isn't leading to a positive in their life or towards God. And what I'm going to do today is we're going to do this a little different. Uh, rather than me communicating the whole message, uh, I've asked Clay and Scott to help communicate. What you might not know, especially if you're new here, we are what's called a multi-site church. Uh, so we have campuses that, that meet on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights uh, at different locations. And there's three of us that do the primary communicating. Now, we're not the only communicators in the church. There's people communicating in our kids' ministry, in our student ministry, all week, every week. But between Clay and Scott and myself, pretty much the three of us communicate every weekend at at least one of our campuses, if not at different campuses. Uh, so what, what I did is on Thursday night is I had them uh, be part of our Thursday night service so that we could capture what they said. Uh, because together, we want to help you see the bigger picture of influence. That, that, that maybe I could say it this way, that together we want to help you learn your ABCs of influence. With school starting here in just, just next week for students, that, that we have a lot of ABCs kind of in our thought process. So how about we simply learn the ABCs of influence? So Clay is going to talk about the letter A, which he's going to tell you means to accept. 
Uh, and then Scott's going to share the letter B, which is to build. And then I'll come back up and, and help us to understand what it means to be committed to this idea of influence. Uh, so let's just start by hearing from Clay. So the first letter is A, which we're going to use the idea of accept. So that's the first thing about being an influencer. And what I really want to do is I want to start with scripture. Uh, we'll jump into 2 Kings 22, verse 1. And uh, it, it'll say this as we throw it on the screen. There's a version of it. Oh, there we go. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedediah. That sounds like a boy's name, Scott. His mother or, was Jedediah, the daughter of Adiah from Bozkoth. So looking at his story, the first thing you got to notice is he's king and he's eight years old. Now, I, I got to know how many of you guys have a kid that's under 10 years old or have had a kid under 10 years old at, at some point in your life? Okay, a lot of us. How many of us would really trust that eight-year-old to uh, lead? Not very many of us. And, and, and I understand that because when I was eight years old, I thought it would be a great idea to bleach blonde my hair and make me look super cool and awesome. So I actually have a picture of it that we can throw up on the screen as well of me just looking awesome. Incredible, right? Incredible. Haven't changed a bit. So that little picture of me, I thought I was going to look really cool and I thought it was a good idea. And guess what? It was 2002. So I was really cool, and it was a good idea. When I tried it when I was 22, not so much, all right? So that's the point. Like, eight years old, eh, there's some difficulties with that. And, and we would say, man, that's, that's a really hard thing for an eight-year-old to do. And, and we even say at this church that we are this gen-led, and, and we stand by that. But that doesn't mean it wasn't hard, and it doesn't mean it would be easy. See, Josiah was put in position because of a really difficult thing that happened in his life. And the difficult thing that happened in Josiah's life was that his family was dead. His dad was a bad guy, and he actually got assassinated. So all of a sudden, you have Josiah put in this really difficult, tough position, and he kind of has a choice to make. Is he going to do what his family has done? Is he going to forge a new path of influence, or is he going to push the position away? It's a big decision, and it's one that he has to make. And I think for many of us, we have to make that same decision. Because like Josiah, God has put us all in a position. Every single one of you are in a position in some form. You're a mother, you're a daughter, you're a father, you're a son, you're a grandparent, you're an educator, you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a teacher. You, you, you could go on and on and on and on. But the point is, if you look at your life, you have a position of influence. And this is where a lot of people get confused about this idea of leadership. Because a lot of people think that you have to have a position of authority to lead people. That's just not the case. It's about having influence. It's not about authority. It's about having influence. And wherever you are at, whatever position that you have been put in, that is a position where you can influence other people. Now, the unfortunate part is I feel like that doesn't happen all the time. Because I really do believe there's a big difference between being in a position and accepting a position. And if I have to be honest about Christians and including myself at times... There's a lot of times we've been put in positions of influence where we can make a massive impact for eternity, but we don't do anything with it. And I don't know if that's because of fear. I don't know if that's because of apathy. 
I don't know if that's because of a lack of understanding. I'm not sure what exactly it is. But I do see it constantly. And, and I want that to change. I want us to all look at the positions that God has given us in life and accept those positions to glorify him. And the way that we are going to glorify God by accepting our positions is really changing our attitudes. You know, I, I want to learn this again from Josiah because this is what he did. If you look at verse 2 in that scripture that we were just looking at, Josiah, or 2 Kings 22, verse 2, it talks about what he did as a leader. It says, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. You see that? It's, it's really cool. Like, I didn't even have to do like the preacher rhyme thing. Like, it just rhymed for me. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, and he didn't stray from what was right. That's how we have an attitude of accepting our position. We just simply do what is right, and we simply do what's pleasing in God's sight. And what, what's that? What's pleasing in God's sight? It's loving God, and it's loving people. It's that simple. Then what's doing right? It's following his commandments. It's following what he has to say. It's doing what God wants us to do. And as we do that, we will notice an opportunity to influence people more and more and more. Now, you might be saying, oh, Clay, I, just, I don't think I can do that. Maybe you might be saying that, but if you look at Josiah, he could have said that as well. Josiah had every excuse in the book that he could have made. It was too soon. He wasn't ready. It was too difficult. He had family problems. He had bad influences. He was too young. But he didn't let any of those be excuses. He just went and did what God told him to do using the position that God had given him. And I know it might be easy to say, Clay, my past is too hard. My influences are too bad. Man, my family problems are too heavy. I'm too young. I'm not ready yet. That's, that's not true. You can do it because God's putting you in that position right now to make a difference. And I, I think about this gen especially. Like, for this gen in here, you, you guys know that we talk about this all the time. That, that we really do believe that you can change the world. That you are gifted. That you are skilled. That you can make a difference. That you're not too young. You're not next. You are right now. And you can change everything. And I believe that because God has put you in a position to do that. You just got to accept it. And then. The thing about positions is, I, honestly, it doesn't matter how we got here to the position. What matters is what we do from here. We have to accept the spot that God has placed us, and then we do what's next, which is the letter B. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass it to Scott. So... What I love about the story of Josiah is like Clay said, he's, he's handed a raw deal in a way. And he accepts it. That, and if you've ever been in a place in life where you've been handed a raw deal, maybe like you were kind of given a situation, maybe you're birthed into a situation, your family put you in a situation, and you go like, I didn't sign up for this. That's the beauty of what we learn from Josiah is because what, what we're talking, when we accept, hey, this is just how it is. Let me tell you a little bit more about the backstory of Josiah so you can understand a little bit more about what he accepted in the position he was in. Yes, he was an eight-year-old boy king. He was a this-gen king. But why was he on the throne at eight years old 
is because his father, who took the throne at 22, only lasted two years before he was assassinated. And he had to step up and lead at that point of eight years old. And he had to understand that he actually inherited not only a kind of a, a, a throne with people all around. Oh, it's the people around the throne that actually assassinated his father. So he was born into hostility. He was born into an environment where it just wasn't set up for him to succeed. But there comes a moment when you accept where I'm at. Where am I going to build from here? And that's the B. Where, where, where am I going to build? If this is my circle, am I going to just go inward or am I going to build upon what I have? And so what's beautiful about Josiah is we see about 18 years into his journey as a king. So he's about 26 years old. He actually begins to reform and to rebuild. And he takes on a building project. Now, this building project, what he was going to do is actually part of what he was handed. If you've ever taken over a property that's had some delayed maintenance, you understand. Sometimes you get a building, you go like, man, we've got to fix some stuff around here. Josiah had the same problem, but it wasn't just a dilapidated roof. It was actually the choices of his grandfather and his father who actually were doing the exact opposite of what God had told them to do, which was what they did was reverted to the pagan worship that the Canaanites were doing when they entered the land of Cana. And so they had actually retrofitted the temple with some Asherah poles. Now, an Asherah pole is basically, it's a big column. Um, if I could tell you, a totem pole would be a similar thing, not the same thing, but a similar, uh, just a figure as a pole. And so uh, Asherah was a Ugaritic uh, female consort of a god by the name of El. And people worshipped Asherah as a fertility god. And, and what Josiah's grandfather had set up and his father, they were, we're going to chase pagan gods and we're going to worship pagan idols right here in the temple and so josiah goes like this is what had been handed but this is not what god wants and so not only does he accept that his own father and his grandfather had set him up in a trajectory going away from the heart and the will of god he said if i'm going to build upon this we've got to tear this stuff down and start over now, the, the temple itself is built and is there. This, at this point in history, the temple is about 334 years old. And so he's not building the temple. He's him saying, we got to get back to the basics. And what was the basics? Deuteronomy chapter 12, when they took over to the land of Canaan, God said, you go into Canaan and you're going to tear down all the pagan idols and you're no longer going to worship those. You will worship me, the one true God. He said, we got to get back to the basics. Now, if you read the story of Josiah, it's exactly what he does. And he's actually very successful with this restoration, this remodel of the temple to take it back to the way that it was originally intended to be used to glorify Yahweh. But if you read this story and think it's just about a building project, you're going to miss the whole point of this being in Scripture. Because if you read it about this 26-year-old, this-gen king doing a building project, you're going to miss the story because that's not the story. There's actually a bigger story that Josiah himself isn't the one who actually does the work. He begins to recruit and to build into the people around him. And so the story of Josiah isn't about a building project. It's about building into people. Matter of fact, I want to I show you in, in verse 7. I'll have them to pull it up. In verse 7, is a very interesting scripture in 2 Kings 22, verse 7. Now, if you read this scripture out of, out of context, you're going to go, well, that's really strange. So uh, 2 Kings 22, verse 7, actually, when he says, we're going to take the tax money that people have been given, and we're actually going to put that money to good use, and we're going to rebuild the temple. And so he started having some people and putting them in charge. Now, listen to this verse. 
but don't require the, the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive. Now, you would think, well, that's bad financial policy. But, but listen to this. For they are honest and trustworthy men. If you read this as a building project, you'd miss the power of this verse. He's saying, listen, I am building into the people around me so much that I trust them with the money. He's building into the lives of, and so where he's planted in his circle of influence, he's investing himself into people in whom he can trust to carry out the vision. So much so that he holds them accountable by saying, you don't even have to check behind him because the vision's so clear. And I am building into this circle of men so much so that we're gonna, we're gonna do this without question. Now, if you read this about a building project, and if you read 2 Kings, and maybe you read it in the reading plan, you, well, it's about a boy king who restores the temple. That is true. But here's what we're learning. If you're going to do what God wants us to do, it's never about buildings. Right now in Aner, we're building a church. We're, we're refurbishing. We, we are retrofitting a grocery store. And if you drove through Aner and you saw us working on it, you might think it's about a building. I can promise you it's not. It's about the people. It's about building into people around. It's about building people up so much that you're saying, I trust the people around me. Now, Josiah's father had the exact problem. The people around him killed him. Can you now see what Josiah is doing? Is he's investing in the people around him so much so that the vision's so clear that we're going to worship God. And we're going to revert, we're going to go back to the basics and worship the Lord God, Yahweh, as one God. And we're going to keep our eyes on him. And we're going to tear it on anything that distracts us from following God. But he doesn't do it alone. And that's why I'm such a big fan of men's ministry. It's something that God, that's, that's kind of my, I've accepted. That's my position. I love to invest into other men. And I love to, my circles of influence in helping men become better. Because I know it's never about buildings. It's about people because Jesus comes back. He's not coming back for our buildings. That's why I love Woven as a ministry. That's why I love people like Mary Howe and all these other women who are investing their hearts into other women because it's not about a building. It's about taking people with us to the throne of God. Josiah. Here's the beautiful thing, and I want to tell you, like, like Clay said, if you're, if you're this gen and you feel like you're young and you're feeling like, man, there's just no way. Like Josiah wasn't a construction guy. He wasn't a, a brick mason. He wasn't a foreman. He, he was none of those things, but he delegated his weakness to the people he could trust, and he influenced those men to do their job. So if you may think that you don't know where to start, I would tell you to start with the person beside you. So much so that... You draw near to God, and you stay near to God, and God will do the work through you. When you read this story, it's not just about building a building. It's about building into people. So my question is, if you're going to accept your position, wherever God has placed you influence, who are you building up? And, and who are you investing in? And would you so much trust them that you could say, I trust them. Now, I'm going to finish by saying this. I always say it this way. You men, especially men, you have to have people in your circle of influence that you trust with your wife and your wallet. 
Let that sink in for a second. You have to have people in your circle that you trust with your wife and your wallet. That makes sense of verse 7. You ain't got to count behind them. I know their heart. My question is, is not building buildings or building things, but are you building into the hearts of the women and the men around you? So much so that no one would question their character or question yours. Josiah had that figured out. But he was committed to it. And that's what we're going to talk about now is being committed to this. It's one thing to say, I accept where God has placed me. And I'm going to build into it, but are you, it's not just can't be a, a, a one-day decision. It's something that is a lifestyle that we must commit to. It's a lifestyle to commit to. I mean, if, if you caught the last thing that Scott was saying there is, will you build into somebody's heart? Um, and, and will you be committed to that? That, that we all have a potential of influence. We all can influence others. So will we accept that responsibility? Will we accept that position and then build into people? But will we build into people by doing what is right? Will we build into people in such a way that it leads them to a greater good and towards God? Or will we build into people in the wrong way? And I would say we're only going to build into people in the right way that leads to, to God, that leads to a greater good, is if we're committed to doing it God's way. Now, again, re remind, let me remind you of Josiah's story, that Josiah didn't have some people in his life that were doing it right. All right, that, that his dad um, was, was just dead wrong. His dad was, was worshiping false idols, setting up the temple in the wrong way, and because of that, he died. His grandfather wasn't any better. His grandfather was probably worse than the fact that his grandfather is the one who brought all this stuff into the temple. Now, eventually, his grandfather repented a little bit, which that's a good thing, but he never did what was right. All right, so, so Josiah... What he did was something that was born out of just a desire of his heart. That, that, that what Josiah did in the idea of, I want to invest in people, and I want to accept my, my position, was born out of this desire for God, of I want to please God. That we see that at his early age, all right? From, from the age of eight on, we see this desire in him. I just, I, I want to please God. But here's reality. Many, many of you, and I, I'm guessing this, all right? I don't know everybody's story, but I know just in a crowd this size and people watching online, that, that I believe many of you all are in the same boat as Josiah. Some of you, because of your age, you're young, you're this gen, you know, maybe you're upper elementary, middle school, lower high school, that you're young like Josiah. That might be one reason, but, but here's the reason I really mean it, because I believe many of us don't feel like we know a lot about God. That, that we're like, my, I have a heart for God. Like, I want to connect with him. Like, you might be here without faith in God yet. Uh, you might not have surrendered your life to Jesus, but you're here. So unless somebody totally fooled you and you thought you were going out to lunch and you pulled into a building or you thought this was some workout place where you, where you climbed rock walls, because people ask me that all the time. Like, maybe you got tricked into being here but chances are, my guess is, all of us knew where we were going today. 
So there's something in your heart that's like, I want to connect with God. Yet you would admit, but I don't really know much about God. Like, like there's a desire, but I don't really know much. Guys, that was Josiah. I mean, one, because he was young, but two, because the people of Israel at that time had totally walked away from God. Like so much so that they, they had lost the book of the law. They had lost what we call the Bible. Like it wasn't even in their life anymore. So everything Josiah knew about God was from stories that maybe some people were telling and just simply because of a desire on his heart. And that might be where you're at right now. And you might say, okay, yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, how can I influence somebody for good? How can I influence somebody towards God if I don't feel like I even really know who God is? Follow the example of Josiah. He just did it. He knew in his heart, like, like I want to please God and I want to bring others along to do that. That, that even if you don't feel like you know much about God, at least just simply start right there and to say, I want to do what's right when it comes to following God. Now, I can help you really figure out what's right by encouraging you to open up God's word, which again is what eventually happened with Josiah. Because when he was older, and when I say older, 26, not like old, just older, all right? That, that he asked the people to rebuild the temple and because it was kind of in ruins and all that. And, and because of that, he, he, he had the group doing that. And one of the guys in the group came to him and said, hey, Josiah, we found the book of the law. Like we found this scroll, again, what we would call the Bible. And, and we found it, and, and Josiah was like, wow, that's great. Read it to me. And this guy started reading this scroll. And the more Josiah heard about it, the more he started to come to understand who God was. And the more he started to understand how far away they had walked as a nation and how God had put some laws in place, some rules in place, some, some commandments in place, and the Israelites had totally ignored them. And so as Josiah is hearing this letter read, as he's hearing the words of God, it broke his heart. So much so that, that he repented, meaning he, he said, I'm sorry, God. We actually read it here in scripture. It's 2 Kings 22, 11. It says, when the king, meaning Josiah, heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Now, I know that's weird just even think about because that's not something we do nowadays. It's not like we can walk around ripping our clothes, okay? You know, none of us are incredible hawking here, all right? Sorry to let you know that. Maybe some of you thought you were, all right? But, but, but I think we get it. Like, like, that's just not something we do. So why, why did he do that? Well, it was a sign of humility back then, that if you were going to tear your clothes, you're basically saying, I'm, I'm coming naked before God, that I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm humbling myself. And imagine Josiah here, he's the king which for him to rip his clothes means to rip off his king's gear. 
to rip off his king's robe. That he basically is saying, as a king, I can't stand in the presence of the true king. So he tore his clothes. And if you go to the book of Chronicles, which is also in the Bible, it says that he, that he put on, on ashes on his head. Again, just a sign of humility and repentance. Because he understood by reading the, the word of God, he understood by looking at the scriptures that he had walked away from God, that the nation had walked away from God. And in that moment, he repented and then he did what was right. And guys, if I could give the summation of today's talk and the summation of, uh, of Josiah's story, this is what I would say. Repent of what is wrong and do what is right. It's pretty much that simple. That, that if you want to accept the position in life God has given you, a position of influence, and you want to invest in others for the glory of God and the good of them, then repent of what is wrong and start doing what is right. Like Josiah, he came to understand that, that, that as a nation, as a people, as a tribe, even him as himself, that they had been doing a lot of wrong things that he needed to repent of. And one of those things that, that he was recognizing is they had set up all kinds of false idols, these Asherah poles. Like I said, they're just giant poles, uh, these, these statues. And they set them up as idols to bow down to and, and to worship to. And, and so Josiah knew, like, we got to get rid of the idols in our life because there's only one God to worship. And every time we worship something other than God, then we are worshiping a false God, an idol. And he said, we got to get rid of those things. But here's reality. Even though he went through the land and got rid of all the idols, still today, thousands of years later, we all still have a bunch of idols in our life. Am I right? We have idols. We have things that we worship that are not God. I'm not saying that we set up statues or we have little graven images in our closet that we go and bow down to. I'm not saying that. But we have idols that we worship all day, every day. Uh, here's some of them. The phone. That, that some of us treat the phone like an idol. We spend way more time with our thumb checking things out than we do with the Lord. It's become an idol in our life. Or, or for many of us, our money that our money becomes an idol in our life, that we live our life to serve our money. Like we want more money. It has become an idol in our life. Or maybe it's our career. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our, our schooling that we've set these things up as idols. Like we'll do anything to serve them. Maybe it's your family. And I know when I say that, that, that we're like, well, what about my family? Let's be honest. How many times have we placed our family on the throne of God rather than God? How many times have we done everything to serve our family 
to the point that we have forgotten about God. That we've placed our family as a higher status than God. Now, family is good. Family is great. But family was not meant to be worshipped. Yet we'll do that at times. Or here's another one. How about our athletics? That, that we'll put athletics as an idol. That, that maybe you're a high school student or, or maybe you're a parent with a kid in elementary. And you, you've put so much pressure and thought into their athletics of them being successful that you've turned it into an idol. Or maybe you're a student and you've turned your athletics into an idol. Or, or, or let, me, let me go a step further. College football broke camp, started camp this past week. And I think for a lot of us, we're probably pretty excited about that. Like some of you are excited about rooting on Clemson this year, right? And you're like, I don't know. Some of you are excited about rooting on Carolina this year, right? Hopefully. <laughs> you got a lot of hope right now. But, but right, like, like, let's just admit it, we're there. Many of us, like we love our college athletics. We love football. So much so that come September, we're all gonna sit ourselves down in front of a, a screen and we're gonna start staring at that screen. And when our team scores a touchdown, we're all gonna jump for joy. We're gonna celebrate, we're gonna cheer. We're gonna slap high fives. We'll be like, man, that's awesome. Am I right? But we'll remain quiet when we hear the word of God preached. We'll remain quiet when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'll clap and I'll celebrate because somebody scored a touchdown, but, but I won't necessarily clap or celebrate when, when I see somebody step into the baptistry. You, you, you know what I mean? Like I might do this, but you don't even recognize it. Am I hitting a nerve a little bit? Am I wrong? Ain't nothing wrong with college football. I love it as much as anybody. I love it. But if I ever put college football on the throne of God or it gets more praise than the Savior who saved my life, I've just made an idol. That's truth. I've just made an idol. When, when I celebrate my family more than I celebrate God, I've just made an idol. When I get more excited about a pay raise than I do about giving to the Lord and about God, then I've just made an idol. And for that, we need to repent. And probably the biggest idol we all have in our life is the one who looks back to us in the mirror. That I make myself an idol because I wanna serve me. I wanna please me. And I'm guilty of that and you're guilty of that. We're all guilty of it. We've all made mistakes and we've all brought some false idols into our life. So here's the first and simple step. Repent of what is wrong. Tell God you're sorry. 
destroy that idol. Get rid of it, all right? I don't mean destroy your family. Let's make sure we understand what I'm saying. But I'm saying take that and take it out of the seat that is reserved for God. That Josiah went into the temple and he said, the temple is a house of the Lord and these false gods got to get out because they don't deserve to be in the place of God. So let's repent of what is wrong. Maybe come up front during this response time and repent of what is wrong. Maybe worship with your hands up saying, God, I repent. You alone get the glory. But don't just repent of what is wrong, but also do what is right. Because Josiah, after he repented, he got up. He said, go read the word to everybody. And then let's go through the land and let's destroy all the idols. Let's tear them all down. We don't only want to repent of what is wrong, but we need to go and do what is right. And then after he did that, he brought everybody back and he said, guys, we haven't been celebrating the Passover. For years, the Passover hasn't been celebrated. And the Passover is all about recognizing the deliverance of God, about how God has saved us. So when everybody came back to town, after they'd cleansed the land, they celebrated the Passover of the Lord. And we don't celebrate the Passover, but we do something very similar. We celebrate communion. Because in communion, in the same way, the juice and the bread represents the fact that Jesus has delivered us by going to the cross, by rising from the dead, and by setting us free. So maybe today, maybe today you're going to do what's right by maybe taking communion. Maybe today you'll do what's right by maybe taking a step of baptism. Uh, maybe today you'll, you'll do what's right by first repenting of your sins and saying, Jesus, save me. And then making a decision to, now I'm going to go and do what is right. We have an opportunity to respond. And when we do this, what it does is it sets us up to most effectively invest in others so that they can bring glory to God as well. So let's repent of what is wrong. Let's make some room for Jesus right now. And just like Josiah did, he cleaned out the temple saying, I'm making room for God. Today, while we sing this song, let's make some room for Christ. And let's repent of what is wrong. And let's start doing what is right. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about how to give to God through The Rock, you can find that information on our app or on our website. Another way that you can give to us is simply by subscribing to this podcast, rating it, telling your friends about it. All those things are super helpful. We hope you have a great week.